and happy Easter. Um, I am really, really thankful to get the opportunity to share with you some of the story of the way that God has been at work in my life. Um, if you don't know me, my name is Chelsea Kelly. I have been here at Grace Covenant and in Williamsburg for almost three years now. I moved here in June of 2020, which is going to come up in my story. Um, to be part of the staff uh, of the RUF campus ministry at William and Mary. Um, and so, yeah, I'm really, really excited to get to tell you about some of God's faithfulness to me this morning. I am not a person who has an exciting conversion story. Uh, I was born into a wonderful Christian family, and I really don't remember a day when I didn't know Jesus. I've had family members who have prayed for me every single day of my life. I have, from the beginning, gone to churches that have faithfully taught me the gospel, and God has really used those ordinary means of grace to draw me to himself throughout my life. Um, so I'm super thankful that that's my story, but it does not make for riveting storytelling. Um, but if you are a Christian here today and have been one for more than, say, a week, you can probably join me in saying that the story doesn't end there. Um, and so I'd love to tell you two per- particular stories of ways throughout my life that God has made the gospel more real to me, that he's drawn me closer to himself and helped me believe more and more in his love and goodness to me. So the first of those stories begins when I was 11 years old. Um, it was about halfway through my sixth grade year uh, when my grandpa died really, really suddenly on his 59th birthday. He'd played tennis that day, had dinner with my grandma and some of their close friends, and that night he had a heart attack and was just gone. Um, so that was obviously really hard on my family, and it was made all the harder by the fact that he was the only member of our close family who didn't atter- attend church regularly, um, who we couldn't say for sure whether or not he was a believer. And so we were grieving and struggling a lot. I could see it being hard on my parents, particularly my mom, because it was her dad. Um, I was the oldest of three, and my youngest brother was only two at the time. And so it felt like there was a lot going on. Things were hard and stressful. And I, in I think probably typical oldest daughter fashion, decided that it was my job in the family to make sure I added no stress to the situation. I was going to be self-sufficient. I was going to be stress-free. I was going to be needless. And so I decided I needed to handle my grief on my own. I needed to do everything by myself and not add any need to my family. And this became uh, all the harder because right around that same time, things started to get really hard for me at school. Um, I had missed a few days of school because uh, we were out of town for my grandpa's funeral. And when we got back to school, I remember all of the girls in my class kind of gathering around to give me a hug and comfort me and welcome me back. And the girl who had been my best friend up to that point, when it was her turn to give me a hug, just turned away and wouldn't hug me. Um, and that obviously hurt at that point, but I didn't know yet that that was going to be the start of about two and a half years of very blatant and systematic rejection and exclusion from the entire community of my classmates. Uh, I went to a very small private Christian school. I think there were only about 13 kids in my class at the time, so there weren't a lot of friends to choose from. And when the ones that were there decided they wanted nothing to do with me, uh, I really didn't have anywhere else to turn. And this hurt the most with the group of girls who had been closest to me beforehand. There were three of them who I had been good friends with. 
And the three of them kept hanging out, but it was clear that I was no longer welcome. I would walk into a room and see the three of them sitting at a table with an extra chair and go toward it. And one of them would get up and take the extra chair away so that I couldn't sit there. Or if I walked toward them outside after school, they would literally run away from me. So I stopped trying pretty quickly. Um, I learned that I wasn't welcome. And so I just kept to myself and I wasn't talking about this at home because I knew that it would add stress to my family. And so I was just pretty alone for a long time. But the one exception to that, the one time my classmates did want me around was when I could do something for them. Um, I was a pretty strong student, especially in math, and my classmates were not so fond of math. So if I could help them with their math homework, that's when they wanted me around. Or uh, at, at our school, the student council president had probably a lot more responsibility than your average, like, middle school uh, student council president. We had actually some like public speaking roles. I had to, to pray in front of all of the families when there was a school event. Um, yeah, I guess that was a spoiler alert. I got elected student council president because nobody else wanted to do that. And so I was learning pretty quickly that nobody really wanted me around, but that I was acceptable so long as I was competent and needless. So that school that I went to only went through eighth grade. And so when it was time for me to go to high school, I transferred into the public high school. And while it was pretty terrifying to start high school in a place where I didn't know anybody, it actually ended up being a great move for me. There were a lot more people around. And so I had a much easier time making friends. And then when I, when I went to college, that got even easier. I got involved in RUF and was also involved in the marching band. And so I had a much easier time making friends after middle school was over. But I continued to believe that what I brought to my relationships was my competence and my needlessness. I continued to live as though I needed to keep everything to myself and make sure I put on a happy face and make sure I was doing what I could to help other people out. And as I went into college and my classes got harder and life in general got harder, this got harder and harder to do. And so I found myself sometimes making choices that weren't the wisest, um, often around alcohol and, and parties uh, that I immediately regretted afterwards and promised myself that I would never do again. But I wasn't talking about this with anyone. And because this was just another thing that I was putting on myself to take care of, it kept happening and the cycle kept happening over and over. And so I was trying to keep all of this in, but it was starting to fall apart. And then after college, um, I finished college as I had spent most of the rest of my life, not having any idea what I wanted to do with my life. And so at the recommendation of my RUF campus minister from college, I decided to go and work as an RUF intern for a couple of years. Um, I figured this would be a couple of years where I could figure out what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. And I could also serve the Lord and other people while I did it. So I headed into the RUF internship. And it turned out that that experience pushed every button I had. Uh, I had to fundraise my full salary and benefits and some of my ministry expenses. And it turns out you can't ask people for money while still being needless. Um, most of my job was reaching out for one-on-one -on -one meetings with students who at that time were about the same age as me. And it turns out sometimes college students don't want to hang out with the weird campus ministry intern. And so I was experiencing pretty constant rejection. 
And on top of that, I was also trying to make friends uh, as a post-college adult for the first time, which is not a super easy thing to do. So I was feeling lonely uh, in terms of my competence. There is nothing like ministry to make you feel incompetent. Um, so I was struggling with feeling needy, with rejection, with feelings of incompetent. I was also feeling like the students that I was trying to minister to had it together a lot better than I did. And on top of all of that, about halfway through my first year of the internship, I went through a breakup with the guy that I had been dating in college, and we were still together long distance. And so all of this was weighing on me really heavily. And there was no one big moment where everything fell apart. But slowly, the pieces of the facade that I had put together started to crumble one by one. But what amazed me was that every time that happened, I was met with love. I was working with a really wonderful campus ministry and when I, or campus minister, and when I uh, came to him after that breakup, he cried with me and met me in that need. When I confessed sin to him, he met me with grace and a desire to help me get freedom from it. And I also saw God meet me in my weakness. I saw that on the days when I showed up to my one-on-ones or my small groups, when I felt like I had the least to offer, those were somehow the days when they went the best. Uh, in my utter weakness surrounding fundraising, the Lord continued to provide for me. And so the, for the first time, I actually began to believe that my need that I had thought of as a barrier to relationship was actually the criteria for a relationship with God. My needlessness wasn't opening door to relationship with him. It was keeping me back from relationship with him. I began to learn that God most often meets us not in our competence, but in our weakness. I began to believe that I actually was not as easy to love as I thought I was, and that that was the whole point. That for God to love me required Jesus to die for me, but he did it joyfully because he loves me. And so that that experience, my experience as an RUF intern, that was the start of this process, not the end of it. I feel like this is still a thing that I'm learning to this day. Um, but I do think that this is largely why I stayed in ministry, because it's the first time in my life that I felt utterly incompetent, but I still felt loved. And I wanted to share that with other people, but also I knew that there was nothing that I wanted more than to continue to learn that for myself. So when I finished the internship, um, I decided that I wanted to stay in ministry. And so I headed off to seminary where I spent four years. That was a hugely influential time in my life. I can't believe I'm just skipping right over it, but there's some time. So um, seminary was great. Loved that time of my life. And when I finished seminary, I somewhat to my surprise ended up back with RUF. Uh, right out of seminary, I moved to Stanton, Virginia to work with RUF. Um, I was working solo there to start a campus ministry at Mary Baldwin, which is a very small women's college in Stanton, Virginia. And I found the ministry there extremely challenging. There were a lot of reasons for that. Um, but kind of the two main ones were, one, the administration was not super fond of uh, Christian ministries. And so they, they let me hang around, but they didn't really give me avenues to advertise or reach out to students. 
Um, and then secondly, the school has a 45% retention rate. So I would meet a bunch of freshmen and things would look like they were going well. And then most of them would be gone by the end of the year. So ministry there was really hard. Um, I did see fruit um, on occasion, but it was few and far between. It was kind of a slog most of the time and generally pretty discouraging. But on the other hand, I was absolutely falling in love with living in Stanton. I loved the town. I loved my church there. I grew to have great community. It started to feel like a family to me. Um, and because of the oddness of my role with RUF there, they included me also as kind of a volunteer member of the church staff, which absolutely is what held me together as things were really hard on campus. I started to think uh, that I really was hoping to work for a church someday, and I was really hoping that that would be at my church in Stanton. And that was something that I had talked to the leadership about a bit, and they they seemed to think that that was a pretty good idea. So my hope was that I could stick it out with RUF at Mary Baldwin until I got to a point where I could come onto staff at the church and continue to reach out some to students on campus but also have um, other avenues to direct my ministry. But then in the summer of 2019, uh, the church ended up making a financial commitment that meant that they were not going to be in a place to be able to hire me for probably quite a long time. And so as I watched that door close and grieved that door closing and then started the school year of 2019 with a pretty hard start to uh, the year of ministry, I started to think that I might need to move on sometime soon. And so I continued to hope that that might not have to happen. I continued to pour myself into the ministry at Mary Baldwin, but um, I also started to apply to some church jobs. And at the request of my supervisors in RUF, I started to um, have conversations with campus ministers at other schools to think about moving to one of those I knew I didn't want to do that. That's not what I wanted to do. Um, and as I talked to those campus ministers, none of those felt like a good fit. So it was kind of confirming that. But I was hoping that either I could go into one of these church jobs that I was applying for or manage to keep things going at Mary Baldwin. And then the pandemic hit and every door seemed to close simultaneously. My students got sent home um, and we basically cut off any momentum we had so that if I came back the next year, it was going to feel like a restart, probably with pandemic restrictions, which would have made it basically impossible. The interviews I'd had lined up at churches got canceled because the churches felt uncertain about their financial situations and so they weren't going to move ahead with hiring And even the thought of potentially trying to stay in Stanton and find just some other random job to hold me over seemed impossible because the beginning of the pandemic didn't feel like a great time to try to go job hunting. And so it felt like every door closed all at once. And it was right at that time that I had my first conversation with Ben Robertson, the campus minister here, about me coming here. And at the end of that conversation, I immediately knew that that was what I needed to do. It felt like exactly the right fit, a great ministry fit. And it was also kind of the only door that was open. But the problem was I desperately didn't want to. I really, really didn't want to do it. Um, it was going to be my fifth time starting over completely alone in a new place in 14 years. The things that I didn't love about Stanton, it made even worse. It was going to be even further from my family and my friends in other places. 
It didn't seem like a likely place for me to find people in my stage of life or the possibility of marriage. And so I think all of these things that I was wrestling with would have been hard for me anyway. But on top of all of that, I lived alone and I didn't have like a a safe pandemic bubble. And so I was completely isolated in my apartment for several months processing my feelings of failure over what had happened at Mary Baldwin and the death of a dream there, processing leaving a place and a community that I loved without even really getting to say goodbye, asking questions about motherhood and family. I was making my way into my mid-30s and starting to wonder if I was closing the door on ever being able to have children I was feeling this deep longing for permanence and for home and feeling like the Lord kept saying no to that. And ultimately, I felt like I had pursued ministry over all of these other things that I wanted in what felt like obedience. And now it felt like God was asking me to give up more and more, but without any of the ministry success and fruitfulness that I had been hoping for. And I just wasn't sure that I was willing to do it anymore. But he wasn't giving me an option. (laughs) And so I felt desperate and hopeless for quite a long time. And again, there wasn't a moment where it kind of all turned around. I feel like I was sinking lower and lower and lower. And then finally turned around slowly but surely. Um, And I think that turned around started with the Lord sending me to Psalm 73. Um, This is one of my favorite psalms. It's a psalm that talks about uh, the pain of watching the wicked get all of the good things that they want and feeling like your obedience is leading to nothing. Um, But the psalmist has this turn, he says, when he goes to the house of the Lord, and then he says this to the Lord. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And as I meditated on these verses, I realized that God wasn't trying to withhold things from me. He was trying to give me himself. And there was nothing better that I could ask for. So I've been here for about three years at this point. There have been so many blessings about being here. I have absolutely loved doing ministry at William & Mary. It has been a huge privilege. The Lord has continued to provide for my needs, but there's also been a lot that's been hard about it. I would highly recommend avoiding moving during a pandemic if you can manage it. Uh, I've experienced a lot of loneliness. I miss my family. I continue to ask a lot of the same questions that I was asking. But the proof of God's presence and goodness with me is neither the good things that have happened nor the hard things that have happened. It is what we're celebrating today is the fact that I have a savior who died for me in my weakness and my need and who rose again so that I could always be with him so that he could give me himself. What is there on earth that we could desire beside him? (music) 